First John chapter four, verse seven and eight. You know, we just sang about who you are and what God. I think this, this to me, there's really no greater virtue or characteristic that reveals or defines Jesus, but this right here, 1 John 4, verse 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love. Everybody say, God is love. That's powerful, man. And uh, it goes on to say, by this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. And uh, in a very real sense, we've been sent into the world as emissaries or ambassadors or carriers of this. In fact, that's why he called us beloved, because we're loved. And that's a, you know sort of a antiquated term now to say beloved, but, but yet it means that we be loved. <laughs> you, you got that. Say, we be loved. loved. See, so you got that. If I just said beloved, it sounds antiquated, but we be loved. We're loved. We're the object of love. We're carriers of the love of God. I don't have time to turn to it, but Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says, the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. But I want to pray, and I want to pray. I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to pray verse 9. And uh, uh, my message, I don't think, is going to go real long, but it's going to be sort of important, concentrated. It's concentrated. It's distilled. I want you to really listen to it. And, and I believe that as you hear it, it's going to produce something in you. It's going to, it's going to give you direction. And I don't use these terms very often, but I really do believe this is a key for further blessing. This is a key for further blessing. And um, this being the love walk and walking in love and, and, and being merciful and forgiving and being kind and so forth. We're going to get into some elaboration on that in the Amplified Bible. But right now, Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. And this I pray. So we're going to read this, and then we're going to pray it. This I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. There's so much in this verse. Really, our love actually can abound in real knowledge and all discernment. I want you to get some real knowledge and real discernment about just how important the love walk is. It's just so important. So, Father, I, I'm asking that you would bring revelation and knowledge to us and discernment concerning the love walk for each of us going forward from here. The love of God in our hearts, the love manifests through us, love in the way we respond to things, love in unsettling situations, love placed in the right areas, not loving the world, but loving you, Lord. You told us that that not to love the, the, the things of the world, but to love you. So we set our affections on you tonight. We trust you to help us with this, to develop in this area, to mature in this area, and to abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. In Jesus' name, I pray that your love may abound. So 
just the fact that Paul prayed it means that we can grow in our love walk. We can grow in our love for the Lord. We can grow in our love for in our, our marriages. We can go in our, grow in our love as we go about in life. We, it's the opposite of getting sour. It's the opposite of getting bitter. I heard somebody say, use this phrase, it's important to get better rather than get bitter. How many of you have been tempted to get bitter? And there have been some real justification for it. Uh, the Bible says that it's inevitable that offenses will come. Uh, I need to remind you, we live in a fallen world. You know, we live in the land of the living. We've been redeemed. We're different than we used to be. But we're also uh, living in this context of the land of the dead. You know, there's so many programs about zombies and things like that. I mean, we literally live in the land of the dead. That's why you must be born again. And we Christians, however, are not invited to live in a religious bubble and isolation and evacuation and escapism. We're called to go out into all the world and carry, what are we called to carry? The culture of the kingdom. And, and again, what I, I want to say to you is there's no greater virtue or characteristic that reveals Jesus than to, to walk in love. And we're going to get into some specific detail about that so that it's clear to you uh, a lot of believers get confused about the love walk, and, and it's, the Word of God will really clear it up. In 2 John verse 6, it says, And what this love consists in is this, that we live and walk in accordance with, with and are guided by His commandments. This is what it says in the Amplified, 2 John 6. His orders, ordinances, precepts, and teaching... This is the commandment, as you have heard from the beginning, that you continue to walk in love, guided by it and following it. If we could pull up the Amplified Bible on the screen. Uh, and, and what this love consists in is this, that we live and walk in accordance with, with and are guided by his commandments, his orders, ordinances, precepts, teachings. So this helps it to be less vague and brings it into uh, more uh, concrete. It takes it from indefinite terms to explicit. And these, these are his commandments. There are how many commandments in the Jewish? 613. And then it's distilled down to the famous 10 commandments. But then God takes it and distills it down to the royal commandment, which is to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So if we, because if we walk in love, we're not going to covet other people's stuff. We're not going to bear false witness. We're not going to lie. We're going to, you know, it, right? Because when you're walking in love, it's the supreme virtue. It's the greatest characteristic. Can I just tell you, it's a key to the miraculous. It's a key to the supernatural. How many of you want to see more answers to prayer? Listen, I, I cut my teeth on Mark 11, 22 through 25. Have faith in God, Jesus said. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed to be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his or her heart, but believe what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. How many of you believe you could speak to your mountains? There's power in the spoken word. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. How many of you believe that? It's really a truth. How about the next verse? Verse 24. It's awesome too about prayer. Uh, therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted you. How many of you are excited about God hears and answers prayer? How many of you are excited about speaking the word, commanding mountains to be removed, demons to flee, 
speaking over nations and speaking over situations and circumstances. How many of you that appeals to you? But how many of you have been bummed out when you didn't see the results? Well, then you go to verse 25. This is all predicated on verse 25. This is the key. This is the golden key that unlocks answered prayer. This is the golden key that empowers the spoken word right here. Whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone. And the King James, it says, if you have aught against any. And, uh, and it's good because not if, but when. So whenever you stand praying, whenever you stand worshiping, whenever, even when, as we said earlier, when you bring your offering, uh, the Bible says if you got ought against somebody, deal with it and, and, and then give your offering. Because God doesn't want your giving and reaping and sowing to be sabotaged. He doesn't want our prayer lives to be sabotaged. He doesn't want our witness to be blown. He doesn't want our confession to be weak and, and, and neutralized. He wants us to be strengthened with might and power by his spirit in the inner man. He, now, he wants to do that, but this is how we do it is by, by simply standing on his promises, keeping his commandments. That brings this love out of indefinite into explicit. And uh, it gives, this is amazing instruction uh, so that we can, you know, have Jesus manifest more consistently in our lives. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, I want you to look at this because this is sort of the hallmark of everything. This is, this is super important. It says, it says in verse 1 and 2, New American Standard, Updated 1995 version is what I read. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. There it is again, beloved. You know what it means when you're called beloved? You be loved. Look at somebody next to you and say, beloved. Be Tap yourself and say, beloved. Be That's hard for some of us. Some of us have gone through ridicule. Some of us have gone through so much self-loathing that we don't really have a comprehension of the love of God. And by the way, God's love is unconditional. God's love is a rare and beautiful thing. It beautifies everything when you understand it. God's love is he died, Jesus died for ungrateful people. He didn't die for, for the righteous. He came to save the messed up, right? So the, our message is... Uh, God loves us no matter what anyway. It's amazing. And then it says, verse 2, this to me is so important. Walk in love. Everybody say walk in love. Just as Christ also loved you, gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. I look for blessing blockers and anointing inhibitors. I don't want anything to stymie the mighty redemptive work of God in my life. Now, you could say, well, Pastor Jeff, you know, you, you come and you routinely minister to us, and so you, you, you know, you, you want to function in your gift and that. You know, I do. You're right. That is, that's part of my incentive. But it's, this was my incentive and is my incentive as a Christian. As a Christian, I don't want the anointing hindered and blessings blocked. Because as a Christian, which is my favorite part of this whole part of my whole life, I am honored to get to be in, in ministry. I'm honored to get to be a pastor. But I was a Christian before any of this, before I even had a sense of calling. 
and I was called out of darkness into his marvelous light to be a child of his, to get in agreement with him, and to be an ambassador for Christ, right? And I've learned that uh, the anointing flows in the context of obedience, and it's imperative that we walk in love. In fact, before this, it says in verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. That's another way of saying blessing blocker or anointing inhibitor, because the Holy Spirit is the person that brings the power and the results. The Holy Spirit's the one that helps us in prayer. We just talked about prayer, and in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it says that we don't know how to pray as we ought, because, but the Holy Spirit helps our weaknesses, and, that, and, and, and this is an area that he helps us in. And we need to do, as they say, a checkup from the neck up 24 hours a day. And I don't mean to be overly introspective. I just mean we need to guard our hearts. It says in Proverbs 4, guard your heart, for from it flow the springs of life. You're a resourceful, dynamic human being. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're designed with a certain set of talents that are very unique to you. And... You just want to make sure you are good at, as a steward with that, and you, you facilitate that. And so it says right after this, don't grieve the Holy Spirit um, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Look at verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. So these are blessing blockers. These are anointing inhibitors. This is the opposite of what's about to be said about walking in love. It says, lay these aside, let, let all these things go, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander be put away from you, get rid of it, deal with it, among, along with all malice, look then at what it says, proactively be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. You know how much Jesus has forgiven you? 100%. You know how much he's forgiven you? Uh, uh, totally, 100% uh, mercy. So just as Christ has forgiven you, we've got to walk in this dimension. I cannot afford to bear a grudge. I cannot afford to get in the prison of resentment because it's, it, there's so much calling on your life. There's so much destiny to be filled there's so many manifestations of the glory of God that he wants to have occur. And the devil, the enemy of the church and the enemy of your soul and the enemy of Jesus Christ and the enemy of calling and the enemy of revival and the enemy of harvest knows this and wants to sow discord, strife, upset, uh, frustration, bitterness, and get us caught up in this attitude. But, you know, this is, uh, there's hope because then it says, be kind to one another. Kindness is different than niceness. Kindness is actually a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Kindness is, is from a spiritual, supernatural origin. Niceness is just, hi. But kindness emanates out of the heart. Kindness is, is, is there, there are people that have died that I miss so much, and I, the thing I think about is their kindness. There are people that their signature element in their life, when I, when I think about them, my mind goes to a lot of things, but it settles on. That person was kind. That's, 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 one of the, that's another synonym for love. 
Love is patient. Love is kind. So we're going to look at that in a moment. But the reason I'm teaching this is because of Galatians 5.6. Let's go to Galatians 5.6. Now, you guys remember the covenant God made with Abraham? Do you know what the symbol of the covenant was? It's radical. Circumcision. Remember that? And uh, there were, you know, when David saw Goliath, he said, what is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would mock the armies of the living God? Circumcision was a statement of a covenant with a covenant-keeping God. It's, it's radical. And he said that, you know, he's not in that covenant. So there's a big deal about the uncircumcised and the circumcised. And yet when Jesus comes along, he, Paul breathtakingly says this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. It says, for in Christ Jesus, look at this, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. Now, it meant a lot of things before Christ. But when Jesus comes along, there's a new creation. He says but that neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but faith working through love. Everybody say, faith works through love. Now, I don't want any anointing inhibitors, I don't want any blessing blockers, and I don't want anything to sabotage yours or my or our faith. Faith pleases God, faith moves mountains, faith gets results, faith can change a city, faith can win a nation, faith can hold evil back in the land, faith can turn a situation around uh, 100%. But we'll be sabotaged if we don't get a hold of the necessity to really hardcore recommit and stay re-upped on the love walk. And the devil's fighting for the anointing on your life, and he wants to hinder you from your effectiveness. He wants to cripple uh, your progress. But how many of you would like to abound yet more and more in real knowledge and all discernment? Well, I pray your love would abound. If you want to see abundance, how many of you want to see abundance? Debts eliminated. Neighbors saved, bodies healed, prayers answered, the news cycle different than it is now. Believe in God for things to turn around, for our country, for Europe, for the nations, for Asia, for the Latin world, all around the world. Look, we saw a little prayer group, Laszlo Tokas, a Romanian pastor that was planted in, uh, where did he live? Timisoara, Romania. And uh, he prayed, he and his family prayed, and their, their church prayed, and um, the Berlin Wall came down. Peter Jennings from ABC News, I really like Peter Jennings, he had person of the week, and he said it was uh, Laszlo Tokas, and, and he said that it, they traced the coming down of the Berlin Wall to the prayer from this little hundred-member church in Timisoara, Romania. And I don't know which is more of a miracle that a church prayed the Berlin Wall down and opened a door to the Eastern Bloc nations or that the secular news media acknowledged it. And that's why I miss Peter Jennings because he was still sort of in the old objective side before it got uh, sensationalized and, and no longer is objective. But we can even pray that will heal. We pray that our love will abound. We pray that our love would abound. How many of you want to see your love walk grow and increase? Well, I believe love, like faith, grows upon the continual confession of it. So I think it's really a key that we grasp this. I believe the love of God is released in your life by acting on the knowledge of God's word 
and getting a revelation, you need a revelation of this. See, I'm, I'm teaching this as an imperative. This is not an option. The love, the love key, according to this last verse, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision mean anything. Now, if you read the Old Testament, you're going to read how critical it was to be in uh, the covenant and, and in the, the representation of circumcision. But now he comes along and he says, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. Faith working through love on your job will change the way you think. It'll change and alter the outcomes. It'll prevent you from becoming bitter when the person is beating you in your uh, um, negotiation. It'll help you not to succumb in that 11th hour and 59th minute when you're getting you're tired and you get tempted to become angry or get frustrated or get overwhelmed. Uh, it'll help you to steady your hand when you're supplying a medical care. It'll help you to, in those moments, uh, be, have discernment. I pray that your love would abound, what? In real knowledge, in all discernment. I'm praying for such discernment right now on, on people. I'm coming against deception a lot in prayer. I've been coming against deception for about two years now. I come into the altar, I start coming against deception. Well, the deceiver does not want this message to be unpacked. Uh, but unpacked, we must, we must do it. And I'm going to do this in the Amplified Bible. And I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the famous love chapter. And I want to go from verse 4 through 8. And I'm going to read out of the Amplified Bible, so I'm going to have to yell it. I, I love this translation because the, the lady that translated it put synonyms in there that she got from uh, you know, her, her evaluation of the Greek and so forth. And it's, it's an interesting book to read, the Amplified Bible. It's very good. And um, so whatever your chapter is, whatever whatever. You, King James, New King James, NIV, New Living Translation, New American Standard, whatever, you, you, you know, just this is the Amplified. So let, let's look at this just for a moment because it paints the perfect picture of how love behaves. Years ago, I was praying about behavior. Behavior kept coming up in my prayer life. And I would pray about behavior. And I knew I was praying about my behavior because at the end of the day, what does this all matter unless we're being doers of the word? If we're theorizing or we, you know, we, we just kind of look at it from afar, it's got it's to practically apply and we've got to live it out. That's where, the, that's where the, the action is. So here's what it says. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Now I looked this up in the Greek and the word is makrothumeo. Everybody say macro. That's big or long or large or expansive. And thumeo is uh, uh, like, like a spirited. It means to be long-spirited, forbearing, long-suffering. And uh, so love plays the long game. How many of you are in it to win it for the long haul? I think about Ed Fosnott, he, this is kind of his language, you know, he didn't just get saved to just do it for a little while, I've known him for decades now, he and Patty, they love the Lord, Virgil, John, these guys love the Lord, they've been walking with God for a long time, 
I think about Gail, I think about the family, the Richards, Scott and Gail and the family. And I think about the, the faithfulness of the parents and then the kids and now the grandkids. We're believing God, this perpetuates, right? And uh, I'm, I'm playing the long game. And this is, this is material that will sustain you. I mean, what was that guy's name, Rice, that played into his 40s in football? Jerry Rice, he's, he's like 51 now or something, but he played into his 40s. And he was, and, and then uh, what's Tom Brady now? Is he a 40-year-old yet? And that's pretty awesome. They're playing the long game. Well, he's a, to me a child, but in football years, he's like dog years. So, you know, multiply it by seven, you know. But the agape, that's what the Greek word is, charitable, affectionate, dear, pure love of God is a, is, is a, sustaining, a sustaining thing that makes you durable, it makes you patient. Patience. We all, you know, we all are growing in patience. And isn't it wonderful when we got opportunities to develop our patience? None of us like that. But we need to let patience have her perfect work so we can be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Kind. Kindness is so important. It means to show oneself useful. It's the opposite of useless. When you're not kind, we become useless in God's hands. It's, an, it's a blessing blocker. It's an anointing inhibitor. To act benevolently. Have you ever been around someone who generates an air of disapproval? You don't want to be that person. You don't want to have, carry an air of disapproval. That's the opposite of kindness. It's just good to be kind. You know, I've had waiters or waitresses, I'm so sorry, I apologize. It's like you just got to generate kindness. You can't go, I, I, you, you know, it's just, you just got to generate kindness there. In fact, you got to generate kindness everywhere because that's the requirement. That's Love is kind. Everybody say kindness. kindness. Kindness is so underrated and so powerful. It's good to be kind. It's good to be kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. Because look, we're to be rooted and grounded in love. And that actually doesn't mean behavioral. That means where we really trust that God loves us. Everybody say, God loves me, and I love me, and that's the way it's going to be. And then we love our neighbor as ourselves, right? This will help your love walk. And so then we don't boil over with jealousy, envy. We don't get in envy, the green monster of envy. That becomes covetous. Love's, love's not covetous. Uh, it's not boastful or vainglorious, you ever been around somebody that just brags and displays themselves haughtily? I've noticed people that are excelling in their spiritual lives laid aside haughtiness and, and clothe themselves with humility. Not false humble, where you're humble and it's just bull, but where you, you really know, you know what, man? I know every good thing in my life comes from the Lord. I give him all the praise for it. I'm going to keep giving him all the praise. And I actually do know I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. 
And yes, I have developed some of these things. So yeah, thank you for the compliment you've given me. Thank you. And I'm going to give Jesus all the praise. I'm going to receive your compliment. I'm not going to go, no, no, it's just Jesus. Because it's not just Jesus. It's Jesus developing something in me. You gave me a compliment, so thank you for it. Now I'm going to take it and I'm going to give him all the praise. Right? I just taught you how to receive a compliment without being arrogant. God hates a haughty look. I can't watch a lot of news because there's so many haughty looks. It's like, man, there's just so much haughtiness. But God hates a haughty look. It's not conceited, arrogant, or inflated with pride. You know, what does pride come before? The fall. And a haughty spirit before destruction. How many of you want to have destruction in a fall? That's what we avoid. But say, I'm playing the long game. I'm in it to win it. For the long haul. It's not rude or unmannerly. It does not act unbecomingly. Ouch. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. Did you just hear that part? Maybe you were doing pretty good up until then. Then it's what? Love is not touchy? That makes me touchy. Not fretful? That's upsetting, Pastor Jeff. That's a resentful. I resent what you just said. See what I mean? Well, love is not touchy or fretful or resentful. Say that. Love is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. it the New American 1995 says it does not take into account a wrong suffered. So you don't take an inventory and just start to retain. I remember when you hurt me in 1986. I remember what you said in 1992. I remember what you said in 96 again. I, and, and, you know, I remember all the way back to 73. No, we are to throw that stuff in the same place God threw our sins, the sea of forgetfulness. Love, God's love in us does not insist on its own way. That I, I, I'm backing up a little bit. It takes no account of evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready to believe the best of every person. It's ever ready to believe the best of every person. Did you know, I'm going to give you a little revelation. You want to hear it? None of us have the ability to evaluate each other's motives. Everybody say, don't go there. Because we can't. Man looks at the outward appearance. Only God looks at the heart. We don't have the wiring or the skill set to discern people's motives. Now, we could operate in discerning of spirits and perceive some things about angels and demons and things like that. But when it comes to evaluating people, I heard a radio disc jockey say this on satellite radio, and he was quoting his mom. And he said something so powerful. You should write this down. I hope I repeat it as good as he said it, as his mom said it. He said, whenever I get offended or I get hurt by someone, my mom told me to attribute it to ignorance and not to spite. Attribute it to ignorance and not to spite. What does that mean? Instead of going, if you attribute it to spite, you're saying that person 
intended to be hurtful to me. And you, 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 that's, that's judging. That's sitting in the seat of the, of the scoffer. You're starting to judge. You're entering into, into being judgmental. And look, if, if that was their motive, you just leave room for the wrath of God, right? But it'll also help your melon and your outlook and your attitude and your mood because this is what the mom told the DJ who told the radio audience in between pop songs. Whenever you're offended or you get hurt by someone, attribute it to ignorance and not say, well, you're so ignorant. It doesn't mean that because then some of you are thinking, good, I'm just going to call people ignorant because by saying ignorant, you're saying it wrong and then you're being ignorant. Everybody say ignorant, right? Ignorance means they just, they didn't realize what, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. When Jesus did that and then Stephen copied it. And when Stephen copied it, Saul of Tarsus was there and I think God used that to melt and dissolve the concrete barrier around that guy's life and bring him into becoming Paul the Apostle. The modeling of that love. Imagine Jesus saying, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. He was attributing it to ignorance and not to spite. And the soldiers were just standing around like they've been killing all these people all day, hanging people around on these crosses. And they hang this, this Hebrew rabbi, and they're sticking him with a, with a spear and taking, you know, gambling for his clothes and stuff. And they're just, you know, and, and then it occurs to them, one guy, surely this is the son of God. But some of the others were oblivious for a while. They made movies about, you know, Ben-Hur and people like that. It went away later and the robe and all that. They extrapolated on the impact that it ultimately had. It certainly, that certainly has had an impact on me. I come along 2,000 years later. I'm a lost kid and then I'm a teenager. I'm going through teenage years and I hear about Jesus and the gospel through real people walking in love because the Vietnam vet was walking in love when he led me to the Lord. He loved me so much that he was useful that's what kindness is. It's literally, the Greek word is useful. So he made himself available while I was hitchhiking home from my restaurant job and gave me a ride 10 miles out of his way. Late at 1 o'clock in the morning, November of 1972, and told me about Jesus. And the telling me about Jesus, he earned the right to speak into my life by the level of love he was walking in. And I tell Jim uh, King this all the time. Jim King, my brother and I have talked about it, God used Jim King and people like him, uh, but, but largely it was that witness of service that reached into my dad's heart. Don't you think? It was just so impactful. His mother was a spirit-filled Christian lady that was a prayer warrior and really walked with God and understood the, the things of the spirit but, and got healed in the 50s of cancer and things like that, but he didn't quite relate, didn't quite resonate with him. He, pushed, he had pushed back on it. Then when his kids got saved, he kind of had some pushback on it. It's like, oh, these are my kids. That's my mom. These are my kids. I don't really relate to church. Then he comes in in a setting where they're walking in love and, uh, and, and just being a servant. Greatest in the kingdom is a servant. But yet, it says, if we speak with the tongues of men and angels that don't have love, we're just like a noisy trash can lid. If we give our, uh, all our stuff uh, and we don't have love, it's nothing. If we know how to prophesy the future, we know how to have faith to move mountains, and we're not walking in love, it goes for nothing. But on the other hand, the catalyst, the key, can I say that? The key 
to all of the power of the Holy Spirit is centered on the love walk. The key to moving mountains, love walk. The key to prayer results, the love walk. Forgiveness, right? Why did he slip verse 25 in there with Mark 11, 22, 23, 24? Have faith in God, speak to your mountains. That's awesome, I'm onto something. Pray, believe, and receive. Woo, you got it, Lord. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone. Ow. Right? So you don't get a sabotage on your flow. How many of you want to have exponentially increased results? Let everything you do be done in love. Here's what it says. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes and is ready to believe the best of every person. It hopes, its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. Did you hear that one? Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. Say this with me. I'm in the middle of a miracle. God's blessings have come upon me. They're overtaking me. Let's stand up on, my, on your feet. Say, I'm walking in love. I love my neighbor as myself. Say this and mean it. I love God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. As I stand praying, I forgive if I have anything against anyone. I bear no ill will. I attribute it to uh, ignorance rather than spite. I can't judge motives nor will I try. I forgive as Jesus Christ has forgiven me. Him that's forgive much, forgiven much loves much. So we become love conscious. We become love centered. We, we let this walk out of us that which God has put in us. I'll close with this quick story. Corey Ten Boom raised in Holland, the, uh, the Netherlands. Her family loved the Jewish neighbors and saw the hatred generated toward them and housed and sheltered Jews in their home, Christian family, and they hid them, they got caught, and they got sentenced in the concentration camps with the Jews. And uh, the sister died at the hands of a, of a very harsh Nazi soldier. And while Corrie ten Boom recovered out of the war and came out of the prison and and things started to repair, she went on a tour of Europe to teach a forgiveness tour. And while she was there, a guy walked up that she quickly recognized. He put his hand out to shake hands with her, and it was the Nazi soldier that brutalized her sister in the prison camp. And he said something like, Corey, isn't it good that God forgives us? And she had cold water shoot through her blood. She felt like, she said she felt like she was bankrupt. She said, what am I gonna do? I'm teaching on love and forgiveness, and now I, I have hatred for this man. And then the Lord assured her. Uh, Corey, Romans chapter five, verse five. Look what it says, Romans chapter five, verse five. We'll finish with this, Romans five, five. He says, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God is shed abroad or poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Everybody say, the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I'm a love creature. I'm ruled and governed by love. I walk in love 
by faith in God's word. I walk in love by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm walking like Jesus walked and I'm getting greater results. I come against anointing inhibitors, blessing blockers, prayer sabotage. I'm, I'm walking in the miraculous because I forgive everybody. Tonight, God, push the reset button in my heart. Cleanse me, help me, realizing this is a key. I'm walking in love. Now look at somebody next to you and say, this is what love looks like. Say, I'm a love creature. Hallelujah. Let's pray for one another. Turn around and let's just pr- turn around and pray for one another. Pray about their, their miracles and breakthrough and the love walk in each life. In the name of Jesus, Father, capitalize on this moment. I pray, God, there be a supernatural stirring of love in this place. Pour out the blessing of God in each person's life tonight, Lord. Pour out supernatural strength. Supernatural strength on my brother, my sister back there. In Jesus' name, Lord. On that happy, glad sister back there dancing with her hand on her heart. Speak to her, minister to her. These young people, all these youth in our church, Lord. Kindle afresh the gifts in their life. Cover Keith, God, and he's now a lieutenant. Minister protection over him. Bless the Chesterfield Police Department and cover them. Protection round about our region in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for the love of God poured out in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.